Chapter Twenty One of Persuasion by Jane Austen. Anne recollected with pleasure the next morning her promise of going to Mrs. Smith, meaning that it would engage her from home at the time when Mr. Elliot would be most likely to call, for to avoid Mr. Elliot was almost a first object. She felt a great deal of good will towards him, in spite of the mischief of his attentions. She owed him gratitude and regard perhaps compassion she could not help thinking much of the extraordinary circumstances attending their acquaintance of the right which he seemed to have to interest her by everything in situation by his own sentiments by his early prepossession it was altogether very extraordinary flattering but painful there was much to regret how she might have felt had there been no captain wentworth in the case was not worth inquiry for there was a captain wentworth and be the conclusion of the present suspense good or bad her affection would be his for ever their union she believed could not divide her more from other men than their final separation prettier musings of high-wrought love and eternal constancy could never have passed along the streets of bath than anne was sporting with from camden place to westgate buildings it was almost enough to spread purification and perfume all the way she was sure of a pleasant reception and her friends seemed this morning particularly obliged to her for coming seemed hardly to have expected her though it had been an appointment an account of the concert was immediately claimed and anne's recollections of the concert were quite happy enough to animate her features and make her rejoice to talk of it all that she could tell she told most gladly but the all was little for one who had been there and unsatisfactory for such an inquirer as mrs smith who had already heard through the short cut of a laundress and a waiter rather more of the general success and produce of the evening than anne could relate and who now asked in vain for several particulars of the company everybody of any consequence or notoriety in bath was well known by name to mrs smith the little durids were there i conclude said she with their mouths open to catch the music like unfledged sparrows ready to be fed they never miss a concert yes i did not see them myself but i heard mr elliot say they were in the room the ibbotsons were they there and the two new beauties with the tall irish officer who is talked of for one of them i do not know i do not think they were old lady mary maclean i need not ask after her she never misses i know and you must have seen her she must have been in your own circle for as you went with lady dollywimple you were in the seats of grandeur round the orchestra of course no that was what i dreaded it would have been very unpleasant to me in every respect but happily lady dollywimple always chooses to be farther off and we were exceedingly well placed that is for hearing i must not say for seeing because i appear to have seen very little oh you saw enough for your own amusement i can understand there is a sort of domestic enjoyment to be known even in a crowd and this you had you were a large party in yourselves and you wanted nothing beyond but i ought to have looked about me more said anne conscious while she spoke that there had in fact been no want of looking about that the object only had been deficient no no you were better employed you need not tell me that you had a pleasant evening i see it in your eye i perfectly see how the hours passed 
that you had always something agreeable to listen to in the intervals of the concert it was conversation anne half smiled and said do you see that in my eye yes i do your countenance perfectly informs me that you were in company last night with the person whom you think the most agreeable in the world the person who interests you at this present time more than all the rest of the world put together a blush overspread anne's cheeks she could say nothing and such being the case continued mrs smith after a short pause i hope you believe that i do know how to value your kindness in coming to me this morning it is really very good of you to come and sit with me when you must have so many pleasanter demands upon your time anne heard nothing of this she was still in the astonishment and confusion excited by her friend's penetration unable to imagine how any report of captain wentworth could have reached her after another short silence pray said mrs smith is mr elliot aware of your acquaintance with me does he know that i am in bath mr elliot repeated anne looking up surprised a moment's reflection showed her the mistake she had been under she caught it instantaneously and recovering her courage with the feeling of safety soon added more composedly are you acquainted with mr elliot i have been a good deal acquainted with him replied mrs smith gravely but it seems worn out now it is a great while since we met i was not at all aware of this you never mentioned it before had i known it i would have had the pleasure of talking to him about you to confess the truth said mrs smith assuming her usual air of cheerfulness that is exactly the pleasure i want you to have i want you to talk about me to mr elliot i want your interest with him he can be of essential service to me and if you would have the goodness my dear miss elliot to make it an object to yourself of course it is done i should be extremely happy i hope you cannot doubt my willingness to be of even the slightest use to you replied anne but i suspect that you are considering me as having a higher claim on mr elliot a greater right to influence him than is really the case i am sure you have somehow or other imbibed such a notion you must consider me only as mr elliot's relation if in that light there is anything which you suppose his cousin might fairly ask of him i beg you would not hesitate to employ me mrs smith gave her a penetrating glance and then smiling said i have been a little premature i perceive i beg your pardon i ought to have waited for official information but now my dear miss elliot as an old friend do give me a hint as to when i may speak next week to be sure by next week i may be allowed to think it all settled and build my own selfish schemes on mr elliot's good fortune no replied anne nor next week nor next nor next i assure you that nothing of the sort you are thinking of will be settled any week i am not going to marry mr elliot i should like to know why you imagine i am mrs smith looked at her again looked earnestly smiled shook her head and exclaimed now how i do wish i understood you how i do wish i knew what you were at i have a great idea that you do not design to be cruel when the right moment occurs till it does come you know we women never mean to have anybody it is a thing of course among us that every man is refused till he offers but why should you be cruel let me plead for my present friend i cannot call him but for my former friend where can you look for a more suitable match where could you expect a more gentlemanlike agreeable man let me recommend mr elliot i am sure you hear nothing but good of him from colonel wallace and who can know him better than colonel wallace 
my dear mrs smith mr elliot's wife has not been dead much above half a year he ought not to be supposed to be paying his addresses to any one oh if these were your only objections cried mrs smith archly mr elliot is safe and i shall give myself no more trouble about him do not forget me when you are married that's all let him know me to be a friend of yours and then he will think little of the trouble required which it is very natural for him now with so many affairs and engagements of his own to avoid and get rid of as he can very natural perhaps ninety-nine out of a hundred would do the same of course he cannot be aware of the importance to me well my dear miss elliot i hope and trust you will be very happy mr elliot has sense to understand the value of such a woman your peace will not be shipwrecked as mine has been you are safe in all worldly matters and safe in his character he will not be led astray he will not be misled by others to his ruin no said anne i can readily believe all that of my cousin he seems to have a calm decided temper not at all open to dangerous impressions i consider him with great respect i have no reason from anything that has fallen within my observation to do otherwise but i have not known him long and he is not a man i think to be known intimately soon will not this manner of speaking of him mrs smith convince you that he is nothing to me surely this must be calm enough and upon my word he is nothing to me should he ever propose to me which i have very little reason to imagine he has any thought of doing i shall not accept him i assure you i shall not i assure you mr elliot had not the chair which you have been supposing in whatever pleasure the concert of last night might afford not mr elliot it is not mr elliot that she stopped regretting with a deep blush that she had implied so much but less would hardly have been sufficient mrs smith would hardly have believed so soon in mr elliot's failure but from the perception of their being as somebody else as it was she instantly submitted and with all the semblance of seeing nothing beyond and anne eager to escape farther notice was impatient to know why mrs smith should have fancied she was to marry mr elliot where she could have received the idea or from whom she could have heard it do tell me how it first came into your head it first came into my head replied mrs smith upon finding how much you were together and feeling it to be the most probable thing in the world to be wished for by everybody belonging to either of you and you may depend upon it that all your acquaintance have disposed of you in the same way but i never heard it spoken of till two days ago and has it indeed been spoken of did you observe the woman who opened the door to you when you called yesterday no was it not mrs speed as usual or the maid i observed no one in particular it was my friend mrs rook nurse rook who by the by had a great curiosity to see you and was delighted to be in the way to let you in she came away from marlborough buildings only on sunday and she it was who told me you were to marry mr elliot she had had it from mrs wallace herself which did not seem bad authority she sat an hour with me on monday evening it gave me the whole history the whole history repeated anne laughing she could not make a very long history i think of one such little article of unfounded news mrs smith said nothing but continued anne presently though there is no truth in my having this claim on mr elliot i should be extremely happy to be of use to you in any way that i could shall i mention him your being in bath shall i take any message no i thank you no certainly not 
in the warmth of the moment and under a mistaken impression i might perhaps have endeavoured to interest you in some circumstances but not now no i thank you i have nothing to trouble you with i think you spoke of having known mr elliot many years i did not before he was married i suppose yes he was not married when i knew him first and were you much acquainted intimately indeed then do tell me what he was at that time of life i have a great curiosity to know what mr elliot was as a very young man was he at all such as he appears now i have not seen mr elliot these three years was mrs smith's answer given so gravely that it was impossible to pursue the subject farther and anne felt that she had gained nothing but an increase of curiosity they were both silent mrs smith very thoughtful at last i beg your pardon my dear miss elliot she cried in her natural tone of cordiality i beg your pardon for the short answers i have been giving you but i have been uncertain what i ought to do i have been doubting and considering as to what i ought to tell you there are many things to be taken into the account one hates to be officious to be giving bad impressions making mischief even the smooth surface of family unions seems worth preserving though there may be nothing durable beneath however i have determined i think i am right i think you ought to be made acquainted with mr elliot's real character though i fully believe that at present you have not the smallest intention of accepting him there is no saying what may happen you might some time or other be differently affected toward him hear the truth therefore now while you are unprejudiced mr elliot is a man without heart or conscience a designing wary cold-blooded being who thinks only of himself whom for his own interest or ease would be guilty of any cruelty or any treachery that could be perpetrated without risk of his general character he has no feeling for others those whom he has been the chief cause of leading into ruin he can neglect and desert without the smallest compunction he is totally beyond the reach of any sentiment of justice or compassion oh he is black at heart hollow and black anne's astonished air and exclamation of wonder made her pause and in a calmer manner she added my expressions startle you you must allow for an injured angry woman but i will try to command myself i will not abuse him i will only tell you what i have found him facts shall speak he was the intimate friend of my dear husband who trusted and loved him and thought him as good as himself the intimacy had been formed before our marriage i found them most intimate friends and i too became excessively pleased with mr elliot and entertained the highest opinion of him at nineteen you know one does not think very seriously but mr elliot appeared to me quite as good as others and much more agreeable than most others and we were almost always together we were principally in town living in very good style he was then the inferior in circumstances he was then the poor one he had chambers in the temple and it was as much as he could do to support the appearance of a gentleman he had always a home with us whenever he chose it he was always welcome he was like a brother my poor charles who had the finest most generous spirit in the world would have divided his last farthing with him and i know that his purse was open to him i know that he often assisted him this must have been about the very period of mr elliot's life said anne which has always excited my particular curiosity it must have been about the same time that he became known to my father and sister i never knew him myself i only heard of him but there was a something in his conduct then 
with regard to my father and sister and afterwards in the circumstances of his marriage which i never could quite reconcile with the present times it seemed to announce a different sort of man i know it all i know it all cried mrs smith he had been introduced to sir walter and your sister before i was acquainted with him but i heard him speak of them for ever i know he was invited and encouraged and i know he did not choose to go i can satisfy you perhaps on points which you would little expect and as to his marriage i knew all about it at the time i was privy to all the fors and against i was the friend to whom he confided his hopes and plans and though i did not know his wife previously her inferior situation in society indeed rendered that impossible yet i knew her all her life afterwards or at least till within the last two years of her life and can answer any question you may wish to put nay said anne i have no particular inquiry to make about her i have always understood they were not a happy couple but i should like to know why at that time of his life he should slight my father's acquaintance as he did my father was certainly disposed to take very kind and proper notice of him why did mr elliot draw back mr elliot replied mrs smith at that period of his life had one object in view to make his fortune and by a rather quicker process than the law he was determined to make it by marriage he was determined at least not to mar it by an imprudent marriage and i know it was his belief whether justly or not of course i cannot decide that your father and sister in their civilities and invitations were designing a match between the heir and the young lady and it was impossible that such a match should have answered his ideas of wealth and independence that was his motive for drawing back i can assure you he told me the whole story he had no concealments with me it was curious that having just left you behind in bath my first and principal acquaintance on marrying should be your cousin and that through him i should be continually hearing of your father and sister he described one miss elliot and i thought very affectionately of the other perhaps cried anne struck by a sudden idea you sometimes spoke of me to mr elliot to be sure i did very often i used to boast of my own anne elliot and vouch for your being a very different creature from she checked herself just in time this accounts for something which mr elliot said last night cried anne this explains it i found he had been used to hearing of me i could not comprehend how what wild imaginations one forms where dear self is concerned how sure to be mistaken but i beg your pardon i have interrupted you mr elliot married then completely for money the circumstances probably which first opened your eyes to his character mrs smith hesitated a little here oh those things are too common when one lives in the world a man or woman's marrying for money is too common to strike one as it ought i was very young and associated only with the young and we were a thoughtless gay set without any strict rules or conduct we lived for enjoyment i think differently now time and sickness and sorrow have given me other notions but at that period i must own i saw nothing reprehensible in what mr elliot was doing to do the best for himself passed as a duty but was not she a very low woman yes what i objected to but he would not regard money money was all that he wanted her father was a grazer her grandfather had been a butcher but that was all nothing she was a fine woman and had a decent education and was brought forward by some cousins thrown by chance into mr elliot's company and fell in love with him and not a difficulty or a scruple there was on his side with respect to her birth all this caution was spent in being secured of the real amount of her fortune before he committed himself 
depend upon it whatever esteem mr elliot may have for his own situation in life now as a young man he had not the smallest value for it his chance for the kellynich estate was something but all the honour of the family he held as cheap as dirt i have often heard him declare that if baronesses were saleable anybody should have his for fifty pounds arms and motto name and livery included but i will not pretend to repeat half that i used to hear him say on that subject it would not be fair and yet you ought to have proof for what is all this but assertion and you shall have proof indeed my dear mrs smith i want none cried anne you have asserted nothing contradictory to what mr elliot appeared to be some years ago this is all in confirmation rather of what we used to hear and believe i am more curious to know why he should be so different now but for my satisfaction if you will have the goodness to ring for mary stay i am sure you will have the still greater goodness of going yourself into my bedroom and bringing me the small inlaid box which you will find on the upper shelf of the closet and seeing her friend to be earnestly bent on it did as she was desired the box was brought and placed before her and mrs smith sighing over it as she unlocked it said this is full of papers belonging to him to my husband a small portion only of what i had to look over when i lost him the letter i am looking for was one written by mr elliot to him before our marriage and happened to be saved why one can hardly imagine but he was careless and immethodical like other men about those things and when i came to examine his papers i found it was others still more trivial from different people scattered here and there while many letters and memorandums of real importance had been destroyed here it is i would not burn it because being even then very little satisfied with mr elliot i was determined to preserve every document of former intimacy i have now another motive for being glad that i can produce it this was the letter directed to charles smith esq tunbridge wells and dated from london as far back as july eighteen o three dear smith i have received yours your kindness almost overpowers me i wish nature had made such hearts as yours more common but i have lived three-and-twenty years in the world and have seen none like it at present believe me i have no need of your services being in cash again give me joy i have got rid of sir walter and miss they are gone back to kellynich and almost made me swear to visit them this summer but my first visit to kellynich will be with a surveyor to tell me how to bring it with best advantage to the hammer the baronet nevertheless is not unlikely to marry again he is quite fool enough if he does however they will leave me in peace which may be a decent equivalent for the reversion he is worse than last year i wish i had any name but elliot i am sick of it the name of walter i can drop thank god and i desire you will never insult me with my second w again meaning for the rest of my life to be only yours truly william elliot such a letter could not be read without putting anne in a glow and mrs smith observing the high colour in her face said the language i know is highly disrespectful though i have forgot the exact terms i have a perfect impression of the general meaning but it shows you the man mark his professions to my poor husband can anything be stronger anne could not immediately get over the shock and mortification of finding such words applied to her father she was obliged to recollect that her seeing the letter was a violation of the laws of honour and no one ought to be judged or 
to be known by such testimonies that no private correspondence could bear the eye of others before she could recover calmness enough to return the letter which she had been meditating over and say thank you this is full proof undoubtedly proof of everything you were saying but why be acquainted with us now i can explain this too cried mrs smith smiling can you really yes i have shown you mr elliot as he was a dozen years ago and i will show him as he is now i cannot produce written proof again but i can give as authentic oral testimony as you can desire of what he is now wanting and what he is now doing he is no hypocrite now he truly wants to marry you his present attentions to your family are very sincere quite from the heart i will give you my authority his friend colonel wallace colonel wallace you are acquainted with him no it does not come to me in quite so direct a line as that it takes a bend or two but nothing of consequence the stream is as good as at first the little rubbish it collects in the turnings is easily moved away mr elliot talks unreservedly to colonel wallace of his views on you which said colonel wallace i imagine to be in himself a sensible careful discerning sort of character but colonel wallace has a very pretty silly wife to whom he tells things which he had better not and he repeats it all to her she is in the overflowing spirits of her recovery repeats it all to her nurse and the nurse knowing my acquaintance with you very naturally brings it all to me on monday evening my good friend mrs rook let me thus much into the secrets of marble buildings when i talked of a whole history therefore you see i was not romancing so much as you supposed my dear mrs smith your authority is deficient this will not do mr elliot's having any views on me will not in the least account for the efforts he made towards a reconciliation with my father that was all prior to my coming to bath i found them on the most friendly terms when i arrived i know you did i know it all perfectly but indeed mrs smith we must not expect to get real information in such a line facts or opinions which are to pass through the hands of so many to be misconceived by folly in one and ignorance in another can hardly have much truth left only give me a hearing you will soon be able to judge of the general credit due by listening to some particulars which you can yourself immediately contradict or confirm nobody supposes that you were his first inducement he had seen you indeed before he came to bath and admired you but without knowing it to be you so says my historian at least is this true did he see you last summer or autumn somewhere down in the west to use her own words without knowing it to be you he certainly did so far it is very true at lyme i happened to be at lyme well continued mrs smith triumphantly grant my friend the credit due to the establishment of the first point asserted he saw you then at lyme and liked you very well as to be exceedingly pleased to meet with you again in camden place as miss anne elliot and from that moment i have no doubt had a double motive in his visits there but there was another and an earlier which i will now explain if there is anything in my story which you know to be either false or improbable stop me my account states that your sister's friend the lady now staying with you whom i have heard you mention came to bath with miss elliot and sir walter as long ago as september in short when they first came themselves and has been staying there ever since that she is a clever insinuating handsome woman poor and plausible and altogether such in situation and manner 
as to give a general idea among sir walter's acquaintance of her meaning to be lady elliot and as general a surprise that miss elliot should be apparently blind to the danger here mrs smith paused a moment but anne had not a word to say and she continued this was the light in which it appeared to those who knew the family long before you returned to it and colonel wallace had his eye upon your father enough to be sensible of it though he did not then visit in camden place but his regard for mr elliot gave him an interest in watching all that was going on there and when mr elliot came to bath for a day or two as he happened to do a little while before christmas colonel wallace made him acquainted with the appearance of things and the reports beginning to prevail now you are to understand that time had worked a very material change in mr elliot's opinions as to the value of a baronetcy upon all points of blood and connection he is a completely altered man having long had as much money as he could spend nothing to wish for on the side of avarice or indulgence he has been gradually learning to pin his happiness upon the consequence he is heir to i thought it coming on before our acquaintance ceased but it is now a confirmed feeling he cannot bear the idea of not being sir william as you may guess therefore that the news he heard from his friend could not be very agreeable and you may guess what it produced the resolution of coming back to bath as soon as possible and of fixing himself there for a time with the view of renewing his former acquaintance and recovering such a footing in the family as might give him the means of ascertaining the degree of his danger and of circumventing the lady if he found it material this was agreed upon between the two friends as the only thing to be done and colonel wallace was to assist in every way that he could he was to be introduced and mrs wallace was to be introduced and everybody was to be introduced mr elliot came back accordingly and on application was forgiven as you know and readmitted into the family and there it was this constant object and his only object till your arrival added another motive to watch sir walter and mrs clay he omitted no opportunity of being with them threw himself in their way called at all hours but i need not be particular on this subject you can imagine what an artful man would do and with this guide perhaps may recollect what you have seen him do yes said anne you tell me nothing which does not accord with what i have known or could imagine there is always something offensive in the details of cunning the manoeuvres of selfishness and duplicity must ever be revolting but i have heard nothing which really surprises me i know those who would be shocked by such a representation of mr elliot who would have difficulty in believing it but i have never been satisfied i have always wanted some other motive for his conduct than appeared i should like to know his present opinion as to the probability of the event he has been in dread of whether he considers the danger to be lessening or not lessening i understand replied mrs smith he thinks mrs clay afraid of him aware that he sees through her and not daring to proceed as she might do in his absence but since he must be absent some time or other i do not perceive how he can ever be secure while she holds her present influence mrs wallace has an amusing idea as nurse tells me that it is to put into the marriage articles when you and mr elliot marry that your father is not to marry mrs clay a scheme worthy of mrs wallace's understanding by all accounts but my sensible nurse rook sees the absurdity in it why to be sure ma'am said she it would not prevent his marrying anybody else and indeed to own the truth i do not think nurse in her heart is a very strenuous opposer of sir walter's making a second match 
she must be allowed to be a favour of matrimony you know and since self will intrude who can say that she may not have some flying visions of attending the next lady elliot through mrs wallace's recommendation i am very glad to know all this said anne after a little thoughtfulness it will be more painful to me in some respects to be in company with him but i shall know better what to do my line of conduct will be more direct mr elliot is evidently a disingenuous artificial worldly man who has never had any better principle to guide him than selfishness but mr elliot was not done with mrs smith had been carried away from her first direction and anne had forgotten in the interest of her own family concerns how much had been originally implied against him but her attention was now called to the explanation of those first hints and she listened to a recital which if it did not perfectly justify the unqualified bitterness of mrs smith proved him to have been very unfeeling in his conduct towards her very deficient both in justice and compassion she learned that the intimacy between them continuing unimpaired by mr elliot's marriage they had been as before always together and mr elliot had led his friend into expenses much beyond his fortune mrs smith did not want to take blame to herself and was most tender of throwing any on her husband but anne could collect that their income had never been equal to their style of living and that from the first there had been a great deal of general and joint extravagance from his wife's account of him she could discern mr smith to have been a man of warm feelings easy temper careless habits and not strong understanding much more amiable than his friend and very unlike him led by him and probably despised by him mr elliot raised by his marriage to great affluence and disposed to every gratification of pleasure and vanity which could be commanded without involving himself for with all his self-indulgence he had become a prudent man and beginning to be rich just as his friend ought to have found himself to be poor seemed to have had no concern at all for that friend's probable finances but on the contrary had been prompting and encouraging expenses which could end only in ruin and the smiths accordingly had been ruined the husband had died just in time to be spared the full knowledge of it they had previously known embarrassments enough to try the friendships of their friends and to prove that mr elliot's had better not be tried but it was not till his death that the wretched state of his affairs was fully known with a confidence in mr elliot's regard more creditable to his feelings than his judgment mr smith had appointed him the executor of his will but mr elliot would not act and the difficulties and distress which this refusal had heaped on her in addition to the inevitable sufferings of her situation had been such as could not be related without anguish of spirit or listened to without corresponding indignation anne was shown some letters of his on the occasion answers to urgent applications from mrs smith which all breathed the same stern resolution of not engaging in a fruitless trouble and under a cold civility the same hard-hearted indifference to any of the evils it might bring on her it was a dreadful picture of ingratitude and inhumanity and anne felt at some moments that no flagrant open crime could have been worse she had a great deal to listen to all the particulars of past sad scenes all the menu of distress upon distress which in former conversations had been merely hinted at were dwelt on now with a natural indulgence 
and could perfectly comprehend the exquisite relief and was only the more inclined to wonder at the composure of her friend's usual state of mind there was one circumstance in the history of her grievances of particular irritation she had good reason to believe that some property of her husband in the west indies which had been for many years under a sort of sequestration for the payment of its own encumbrances might be recoverable by proper measures and this property though not large would be enough to make her comparatively rich but there was nobody to stir in it mr elliot would do nothing and she could do nothing herself equally disabled from personal exertion by her state of bodily weakness and from employing others by her want of money she had no natural connections to assist her even with their counsel and she could not afford to purchase the assistance of the law this was a cruel aggravation of actually straitened means to feel that she ought to be in better circumstances that a little trouble in the right place might do it and to fear that delay might be even weakening her claims was hard to bear it was on this point that she had hoped to engage anne's good offices with mr elliot she had previously in the anticipation of their marriage been very apprehensive of losing her friend by it but on being assured that he could have made no attempt of that nature since he did not even know her to be in bath it immediately occurred that something might be done in her favour by the influence of the woman he loved and she had been hastily preparing to interest anne's feelings as far as the observances due to mr elliot's character would allow when anne's refutation of the supposed engagement changed the face of everything and while it took from her the new-formed hope of succeeding in the object of her first anxiety left her at least the comfort of telling the whole story her own way after listening to this full description of mr elliot anne could not but express some surprise at mrs smith's having spoken of him so favourably in the beginning of their conversation she had seemed to recommend and praise him my dear was mrs smith's reply there was nothing else to be done i considered your marrying him as certain though he might not yet have made the offer and i could no more speak the truth of him than if he had been your husband my heart bled for you as i talked of happiness and yet he is sensible he is agreeable and with such a woman as you it was not absolutely hopeless he was very unkind to his first wife they were wretched together but she was too ignorant and giddy for respect and he had never loved her i was willing to hope that you must fare better anne could just acknowledge within herself such a possibility of having been induced to marry him as made her shudder at the idea of the misery which must have followed it was just possible that she might have been persuaded by lady russell and under such a supposition which would have been most miserable when time had disclosed it all too late it was very desirable that lady russell should be no longer deceived and one of the concluding arrangements of this important conference which carried them through the greater part of the morning was that anne had full liberty to communicate to her friend everything relative to mrs smith in which his conduct was involved end of chapter twenty one chapter twenty two of persuasion by jane austen anne went home to think over all that she had heard in one point her feelings were relieved by this knowledge of mr elliot there was no longer anything of tenderness due to him he stood as opposed to captain wentworth in all his own unwelcome obtrusiveness and the evil of his attentions last night 
the irremediable mischief he might have done was considered with sensations unqualified unperplexed pity for him was all over but this was the only point of relief in every other respect in looking around her or penetrating forward she saw more to distrust and to apprehend she was concerned for the disappointment and pain lady russell would be feeling for the mortifications which must be hanging over her father and sister and had all the distress of foreseeing many evils without knowing how to avert any one of them she was most thankful for her own knowledge of him she had never considered herself as entitled to reward for not slighting an old friend like mrs smith but here was a reward indeed springing from it mrs smith had been able to tell her what no one else could have done could the knowledge have been extended through her family but this was a vain idea she must talk to lady russell tell her consult with her and having done her best wait the event with as much composure as possible and after all her greatest want of composure would be in that quarter of the mind which could not be open to lady russell in that flow of anxieties and fears which must be all to herself she found on reaching home that she had as she intended escaped seeing mr elliot that he had called and paid them a long morning visit but hardly had she congratulated herself and felt safe when she heard that he was coming again in the evening i had not the smallest intention of asking him said elizabeth with affected carelessness but he gave so many hints so mrs clay says at least indeed i do say it i never saw anybody in my life spell harder for an invitation poor man i was really in pain for him for your hard-hearted sister miss anne seems bent on cruelty oh cried elizabeth i have been rather too much used by the game to be soon overcome by a gentleman's hints however when i found how excessively he was regretting that he should miss my father this morning i gave way immediately for i would never really omit an opportunity of bringing him and sir walter together they appear to you so much advantage in company with each other each behaving so pleasantly mr elliot looking up with so much respect quite delightful cried mrs clay not daring however to turn her eyes towards anne exactly like father and son dear miss elliot may i not say father and son oh i lay no embargo on anybody's words if you will have such ideas but upon my word i am scarcely sensible of his attentions being beyond those of other men my dear miss elliot exclaimed mrs clay lifting her hands and eyes and sinking all the rest of her astonishment in a convenient silence well my dear penelope you need not be so alarmed about him i did invite him you know i sent him away with smiles when i found he was really going to his friends at thornbury park for the whole day to-morrow i had compassion on him anne admired the good acting of the friend in being able to show such pleasure as she did in the expectation and in the actual arrival of the very person whose presence must really be interfering with her prime object it was impossible but that mrs clay must hate the sight of mr elliot and yet she could assume a most obliging placid look and appear quite satisfied with the curtailed license of devoting herself only half as much to sir walter as she would have done otherwise to anne herself it was most distressing to see mr elliot enter the room and quite painful to have him approach and speak to her she had been used before to feel that he could not be always quite sincere but now she saw insincerity in everything his attentive deference to her father contrasted with his former language was odious and when she thought of his cruel conduct towards mrs smith 
she could hardly bear the sight of his present smiles and mildness or the sound of his artificial good sentiments she meant to avoid any such alteration of manners as might provoke a remonstrance on his side it was a great object to her to escape all inquiry or eclat but it was her intention to be as decidedly cool to him as might be compatible with her relationship and to retrace as quietly as she could the few steps of unnecessary intimacy she had been gradually led along she was accordingly more guarded and more cool than she had been the night before he wanted to animate her curiosity again as to how and where he could have heard her formerly praised wanted very much to be gratified by more solicitation but the charm was broken he found that the heat and animation of a public room was necessary to kindle his modest cousin's vanity he found at least that it was not to be done now by any of those attempts which he could hazard among the two commanding claims of the others he little surmised that it was a subject acting now exactly against his interest bringing immediately to her thoughts all those parts of his conduct which were least excusable she had some satisfaction in finding that he was really going out of bath the next morning going early and that he would be gone the greater part of two days he was invited again to camden place the very evening of his return but from thursday to saturday evening his absence was certain it was bad enough that mrs clay should be always before her but that a deeper hypocrite should be added to their party seemed the destruction of everything like peace and comfort it was so humiliating to reflect on the constant deception practised on her father and elizabeth to consider the various sources of mortification preparing for them mrs clay's selfishness was not so complicate nor so revolting as his and anne would have compounded for the marriage at once with all its evils to be clear of mr elliot's subtleties in endeavouring to prevent it on friday morning she meant to go very early to lady russell and accomplish the necessary communication and she would have gone directly after breakfast but that mrs clay was also going out on some obliging purpose of saving her sister trouble which determined her to wait till she might be safe from such a companion she saw mrs clay fairly off therefore before she began to talk of spending the morning in rivers street very well said elizabeth i have nothing to send but my love oh you may as well take back that tiresome book she would lend me and pretend i have read it through i really cannot be plaguing myself forever with all the new poems and states of the nation that come out lady russell quite bores one with her new publications you need not tell her so but i thought her dress hideous the other night i used to think she had some taste in dress but i was ashamed of her at the concert something so formal and arrange in her air and she sits so upright my best love of course and mine added sir walter kindest regards and you may say that i mean to call upon her soon make a civil message but i shall only leave my card morning visits are never fair by women at their time of life who make themselves up so little if she would only wear rouge she would not be afraid of being seen but the last time i called i observed the blinds were let down immediately while her father spoke there was a knock at the door who could it be anne remembering the preconcerted visits at all hours of mr elliot would have expected him before his known engagement seven miles off after the usual period of suspense the usual sounds of approach were heard and mr and mrs charles musgrove were ushered into the room 
surprise was the strongest emotion raised by their appearance but anne was really glad to see them and the others were not so sorry but they could put on a decent air of welcome and as soon as it became clear that these their nearest relations were not arrived with any views of accommodation in that house sir walter and elizabeth were able to rise in cordiality and do the honours of it very well they were come to bath for a few days with mrs musgrove and were at the white hart so much was pretty soon understood but till sir walter and elizabeth were walking mary into the other drawing-room and regaling themselves with her admiration anne could not draw upon charles's brain for a regular history of their coming or an explanation of some smiling hints of particular business which had been ostentatiously dropped by mary as well as some apparent confusion as to whom their party consisted of she then found that it consisted of mrs musgrove henrietta and captain harville beside their two selves he gave her a very plain intelligible account of the whole a narration in which he saw a great deal of the most characteristic proceeding the scheme had received its first impulse by captain harville's wanting to come to bath on business he had begun to talk of it a week ago and by way of doing something as shooting was over charles had proposed coming with him and mrs harville had seemed to like the idea of it very much as an advantage to her husband but mary could not bear to be left and had made herself so unhappy about it that for a day or two everything seemed to be in suspense or at an end but then it had been taken up by his father and mother his mother had some old friends in bath whom she wanted to see it was thought a good opportunity for henrietta to come and buy wedding clothes for herself and her sister and in short it ended in being his mother's party that everything might be comfortable and easy to captain harville and he and mary were included in it by way of general convenience they had arrived late the night before mrs harville her children and captain benwick remained with mr musgrove and louisa at uppercross anne's only surprise was that affairs should be in forwardness enough for henrietta's wedding clothes to be talked of she had imagined such difficulties of fortune to exist there as must prevent the marriage from being near at hand but she learned from charles that very recently since mary's last letter to herself charles hayter had been applied by a friend to hold a living for a youth who could not possibly claim it under many years and that on the strength of his present income with almost a certainty of something more permanent long before the term in question the two families had consented to the young people's wishes and that their marriage was likely to take place in a few months quite as soon as louisa's and a very good living it was charles added only five-and-twenty miles from uppercross and in a very fine country fine part of dorsetshire in the centre of some of the best preserves in the kingdom surrounded by three great proprietors each more careful and jealous than the other and to two of the three at least charles hayter might get a special recommendation not that he will value it as he ought he observed charles is too cool about sporting that's the worst of him i am extremely glad indeed cried anne particularly glad that this should happen and that the two sisters who both deserve equally well and who have always been such good friends the pleasant prospect of one should not be dimming those of the other that they should be so equal in their prosperity and comfort i hope your father and mother are quite happy with regard to both oh yes my father would be well pleased if the gentleman were richer but he has no other fault to find money you know coming down with money two daughters at once it cannot be a very agreeable operation 
and it strengthens him as to many things however i do not mean to say they have not a right to it it is very fit that they should have daughters shares and i am sure he has always been a very kind liberal father to me mary does not above half like henrietta's match she never did you know but she does not do him justice nor think enough about winthrop i cannot make her attend to the value of the property it is a very fair match as times go and i have liked charles hayter all my life and i shall not leave off now such excellent parents as mr and mrs musgrove exclaimed anne should be happy in their children's marriages they do everything to confer happiness i am sure what a blessing to young people to be in such hands your father and mother seem so totally free from all those ambitious feelings that have led to so much misconduct and misery both in young and old i hope you think louisa perfectly recovered now he answered rather hesitantly yes i believe i do very much recovered but she is altered there is no running or jumping about no laughing or dancing it is quite different if one happens only to shut the door a little hard she starts and wiggles like a young dab chick in the water and benwick sits at her elbow reading verses or whispering to her all day long and could not help laughing that cannot be much to your taste i know said she but i do believe him to be an excellent young man to be sure he is nobody doubts it and i hope you do not think i am so illiberal as to want every man to have the same objects and pleasures as myself i have a great value for benwick and when one can but get him to talk he has plenty to say his reading has done him no harm for he has fought as well as read he is a brave fellow i got more acquainted with him last monday than ever i did before we had a famous set to at rat hunting all the morning in my father's great barns and he played his part so well that i have liked him the better ever since here they were interrupted by the absolute necessity of charles's following the others to admire mirrors and china but anne had heard enough to understand the present state of uppercross and rejoice in its happiness and though she sighed as she rejoiced her sigh had none of the ill-will of envy in it she would certainly have risen to their blessings if she could but she did not want to lessen theirs the visit passed off altogether in high good humour mary was in excellent spirits enjoying the gaiety and the change and so well satisfied with the journey in her mother-in-law's carriage with four horses and with her own complete independence of camden place that she was exactly in a temper to admire everything as she ought and enter most readily into all the superiorities of the house as they were detailed to her she had no demands on her father or sister and her consequence was just enough increased by their handsome drawing-rooms elizabeth was for a short time suffering a good deal she felt that mrs musgrove and all her party ought to be asked to dine with them but she could not bear to have the difference of style the reduction of servants which a dinner must betray witnessed by those who had been always so inferior to the elliots of kellynich it was a struggle between propriety and vanity but vanity got the better and then elizabeth was happy again these were her internal persuasions old-fashioned notions country hospitality we do not profess to give dinners few people in bath do lady alicia never does did not even ask her own sister's family though they were here a month and i dare say it would be very inconvenient to mrs musgrove put her quite out of her way i am sure she would rather not come she cannot feel easy with us i will ask them all for an evening that will be much better and that will be a novelty and a treat 
they have not seen two such drawing-rooms before they will be delighted to come to-morrow evening it shall be a regular party small but most elegant and this satisfied elizabeth and when the invitation was given to the two present and promised for the absent mary was as completely satisfied she was particularly asked to meet mr elliot and to be introduced to lady dalrymple and miss carteret who were fortunately already engaged to come and she could not have received a more gratifying attention miss elliot was to have the honour of calling on mrs musgrove in the course of the morning and anne walked off with charles and mary to go and see her and henrietta directly her plan of sitting with lady russell must give way for the present they all three called in river street for a couple of minutes but anne convinced herself that a day's delay of the intended communication could be of no consequence and hastened forward to the white heart to see again the friends and companions of the last autumn with an eagerness of good will which many associations contributed to form they found mrs musgrove and her daughter within and by themselves and anne had the kindest welcome from each henrietta was exactly in that state of recently improved views of fresh formed happiness which made her full of regard and interest for everybody she had ever liked before at all and mrs musgrove's real affection had been won by her usefulness when they were in distress it was a heartiness and a warmth and a sincerity which anne delighted in the more from the sad want of such blessings at home she was entreated to give them as much of her time as possible invited for every day and all day long or rather claimed as part of the family and in return she naturally fell into all her wanted ways of attention and assistance and on charles's leaving them together was listening to mrs musgrove's history of louisa and to henrietta's of herself giving opinions on business and recommendations to shops with intervals of every help which mary required from altering her ribbon to setting her accounts from finding her keys and assorting her trinkets to trying to convince her that she was not ill-used by anybody which mary well amused as she generally was in her station at a window overlooking the entrance to the pump-room could not but have her moments of imagining a morning of thorough confusion was to be expected a large party in a hotel ensured a quick changing unsettled scene one five minutes brought a note the next a parcel and anne had not been there half an hour when their dining-room spacious as it was seemed more than half filled a party of steady old friends were seated around mrs musgrove and charles came back with captains harville and wentworth the appearance of the latter could not be more than the surprise of the moment it was impossible for her to have forgotten to feel that this arrival of their common friends must be soon bringing them together again their last meeting had been most important in opening his feelings she had derived from it a delightful conviction but she feared from his looks that the same unfortunate persuasion which had hastened him away from the concert-room still governed he did not seem to want to be near enough for conversation she tried to be calm and leave things to take their course and tried to dwell much on the argument of rational dependence surely if there be constant attachment on each side our hearts must understand each other ere long we are not boy and girl to be captiously irritable misled by every moment's inadvertence and wantonly playing with our own happiness and yet a few minutes afterwards she felt as if their being in company with each other under their present circumstances could only be exposing them to inadvertencies and misconstructions of the most mischievous kind anne cried mary still at her window 
there's mrs clay i'm sure standing under the colonnade and a gentleman with her i saw them turn the corner from bath street just now they seem deep in talk who is it come and tell me good heavens i recollect it is mr elliot himself no cried anne quickly it cannot be mr elliot i assure you he was to leave bath at nine this morning and does not come back till to-morrow as she spoke she felt that captain wentworth was looking at her the consciousness of which vexed and embarrassed her and made her regret that she had said so much simple as it was mary resenting that she should be supposed not to know her own cousin began talking very warmly about the family features and protesting still more positively that it was mr elliot calling again upon anne to come and look for herself but anne did not mean to stir and tried to be cool and unconcerned her distress returned however on perceiving smiles and intelligent glances pass between two or three of the lady visitors as if they believed themselves quite in the secret it was evident that the report concerning her had spread and a short pause succeeded which seemed to ensure that it would now spread farther do come anne cried mary come and look yourself you will be too late if you do not make haste they are parting they are shaking hands he is turning away not no mr elliot indeed you seem to have forgot all about lyme to pacify mary and perhaps screen her own embarrassment anne did move quietly to the window she was just in time to ascertain that it really was mr elliot which she had never believed before he disappeared on one side as mrs clay walked quickly off on the other and checking the surprise which she could not but feel at such an appearance of friendly conference between two persons of totally opposite interest she calmly said yes it is mr elliot certainly he has changed his hour of going i suppose that is all or i may be mistaken i might not attend and walked back to her chair recomposed and with the comfortable hope of having acquitted herself well the visitors took their leave and charles having civilly seen them off and then made a face at them and abused them for coming began with well mother i have done something for you that you will like i've been to the theatre and secured a box for to-morrow night ain't i a good boy i know you love a play and there is room for us all it holds nine i have engaged captain wentworth and will not be sorry to join us i am sure we all like a play have not i done well mother mrs musgrove was good-humouredly beginning to express her perfect readiness for the play if henrietta and all the others liked it when mary eagerly interrupted her by exclaiming good heavens charles how can you think of such a thing take a box for to-morrow night have you forgot that we were engaged to camden place to-morrow night and that we were most particularly asked to meet lady dollywimple and her daughter and mr elliot and all the principal family connections on purpose to be introduced to them how can you be so forgetful foo-foo replied charles what's an evening party never worth remembering your father might have asked us to dinner i think if he had wanted to see us you may do as you like but i shall go to the play oh charles i declare it will be too abominable if you do when you promise to go no i did not promise i only smirked and bowed and said the word happy there was no promise but you must go charles it would be unpardonable to fail we were asked on purpose to be introduced there was always such a great connection between the dollywimples and ourselves nothing ever happened on either side that was not announced immediately we are quite near relations you know and mr elliot too whom you ought so particularly to be acquainted with every attention is due mr elliot consider my father's heir 
the future representative of the family don't talk to me about heirs and representatives cried charles i am not one of those who neglect the reigning power to bow to the rising sun if i would not go for the sake of your father i should think it scandalous to go for the sake of his heir what is mr elliot to me the careless expression was life to anne who saw that captain wentworth was all attention looking and listening with his whole soul and that the last words brought his inquiring eyes from charles to herself charles and mary still talked on in the same style he half serious and half jesting maintaining the scheme for the play and she invariably serious most warmly opposing it and not omitting to make it known that however determined to go to camden place herself she should not think herself very well used if they went to the play without her mrs musgrove interposed we had better put it off charles you had much better go back and change the box for tuesday it would be a pity to be divided and we should be losing miss anne too if there is a party at her father's and i am sure neither henrietta nor i should care at all for the play if miss anne could not be with us anne felt truly obliged to her for such kindness and quite as much so for the opportunity it gave her of decidingly saying if it depended only on my inclination ma'am the party at home excepting on mary's account would not be the smallest impediment i have no pleasure in the sort of meeting and should be too happy to change it for a play and with you but it had better not be attempted perhaps she had spoken it but she trembled when it was done conscious that her words were listened to and daring not even to try to observe their effect it was soon generally agreed that tuesday should be the day charles only reserving the advantage of still teasing his wife by persisting that he would go to the play to-morrow if nobody else would captain wentworth left his seat and walked to the fireplace probably for the sake of walking away from it soon afterwards and taking a station with less barefaced design by anne you have not been long enough in bath said he to enjoy the evening parties of the place oh no the usual character of them has nothing for me i am no card-player you were not formerly i know you did not used to like cards but time makes many changes i am not yet so much changed cried anne and stopped fearing she hardly knew what misconstruction after waiting a few moments he said and as if it were the result of immediate feeling it is a period indeed eight years and a half is a period whether he would have proceeded farther was left to anne's imagination to ponder over in a calmer hour for while still hearing the sounds he had uttered she was startled to other subjects by henrietta eager to make use of the present leisure for getting out and calling on her companions to lose no time lest somebody else should come in they were obliged to move anne talked of being perfectly ready and tried to look it but she felt that could henrietta have known the regret and reluctance of her heart in quitting that chair and preparing to quit the room she would have found in all her own sensations for her cousin in the very security of his affection wherewith to pity her their preparations however were stopped short alarming sounds were heard other visitors approached and the door was thrown open for sir walter and miss elliot whose entrance seemed to give a general chill anne felt an instant oppression and wherever she looked saw symptoms of the same the comfort the freedom the gaiety of the room was over hushed into cold composure determined silence or insipid talk to meet the heartless elegance of her father and sister how mortifying to feel that it was so her jealous eye was satisfied in one particular captain wentworth was acknowledged again by each by elizabeth more graciously than before 
she even addressed him once and looked at him more than once elizabeth was in fact revolving a great measure the sequel explained it after the waste of a few minutes and saying the proper nothings she began to give the invitation which was to comprise all the remaining dues of the musgroves to-morrow evening to meet a few friends no formal party it was all said very gracefully and the cards with which she had provided herself the miss elliot at home were laid on the table with a courteous comprehensive smile to all and one smile and one card more decidedly for captain wentworth the truth was that elizabeth had been long enough in bath to understand the importance of a man of such an air and appearance as his the past was nothing the present was that captain wentworth would move about well in her drawing-room the card was pointedly given and sir walter and elizabeth arose and disappeared the interruption had been short though severe and ease and animation returned to most of those they left as the door shut them out but not to anne she could think only of the invitation she had with such astonishment witnessed and of the manner in which it had been received a manner of doubtful meaning of surprise rather than gratification of polite acknowledgment rather than acceptance she knew him she saw disdain in his eye and could not venture to believe that he had determined to accept such an offering as an atonement for all the insolence of the past her spirit sank he held the card in his hand after they were gone as if deeply considering it only think of elizabeth's including everybody whispered mary very audibly i do not wonder captain wentworth is delighted you see he cannot put the card out of his hand anne caught his eye saw his cheeks glow and his mouth form itself into a momentary expression of contempt and turned away that she might neither see nor hear more to vex her the party separated the gentlemen had their own pursuits the ladies proceeded on their own business and they met no more while anne belonged to them she was earnestly begged to return and dine and give them all the rest of the day but her spirits had been so long exerted that at present she felt unequal to more and fit only for home where she might be sure of being as silent as she chose promising to be with them the whole of the following morning therefore she closed the fatigues of the present by a tolsome walk to camden place there to spend the evening chiefly in listening to the busy arrangements of elizabeth and mrs clay for the morrow's party the frequent enumeration of the persons invited and the continually improving detail of all the embellishments which were to make it the most completely elegant of its kind in bath while harassing herself with the never-ending question of whether captain wentworth would come or not they were reckoning him as certain but with her it was a gnawing solicitude never appeased for five minutes together she generally thought he would come because she generally thought he ought but it was a case which she could not so shape into any positive act of duty or discretion as inevitably to defy the suggestions of very opposite feelings she only roused herself from the broodings of this restless agitation to let mrs clay know that she had been seen with mr elliot three hours after his being supposed to be out of bath for having watched in vain for some intimation of the interview from the lady herself she determined to mention it and it seemed to her there was guilt in mrs clay's face as she listened it was transient cleared away in an instant but anne could imagine she read there the consciousness of having by some complication of mutual trick or some overbearing authority of his been obliged to attend perhaps for half an hour to his lectures and restrictions on her designs on sir walter she exclaimed however with a very tolerable imitation of nature 
oh dear very true only think miss elliot to my great surprise i met with mr elliot in bath street i was never more astonished he turned back and walked with me to the pump-yard he had been prevented setting off for thornbury but i really forget by what for i was in a hurry and could not much attend and i can only answer for his being determined not to be delayed in his return he wanted to know how early he might be admitted to-morrow he was full of to-morrow and it is very evident that i have been full of it too ever since i entered the house and learnt the extension of your plan and all that had happened or my seeing him could never have gone so entirely out of my head End of chapter twenty two chapter twenty three of persuasion by jane austen one day only had passed since anne's conversation with mrs smith but a keener interest had succeeded and she was now so little touched by mr elliot's conduct except by its effects in one quarter that it became a matter of course the next morning still to defer her explanatory visit in rivers street she had promised to be with the musgroves from breakfast to dinner her faith was plighted and mr elliot's character like the, the sultaness scheherazade's head must live another day she could not keep her appointment punctually however the weather was unfavourable and she had grieved over the rain on her friend's account and felt it very much on her own before she was able to attempt the walk when she reached the white hart and made her way to the proper apartment she found herself neither arriving quite in time nor the first to arrive the party before her were mrs musgrove talking to mrs croft and captain harville to captain wentworth and she immediately heard that mary and henrietta too impatient to wait had gone out the moment it had cleared but would be back again soon and that the strictest injunctions had been left with mrs musgrove to keep her there till they returned she had only to submit sit down be outwardly composed and feel herself plunged at once in all the agitations which she had merely laid her account of tasting a little before the morning closed there was no delay no waste of time she was deep in the happiness of such misery or the misery of such happiness instantly two minutes after her entering the room captain wentworth said we will write the letter we were talking of harville now if you will give me materials materials were at hand on a separate table he went to it and nearly turning his back to them all was engrossed by writing mrs musgrove was giving mrs croft the history of her eldest daughter's engagement and just in that convenient tone of voice which was perfectly audible while it pretended to be a whisper anne felt that she did not belong to the conversation and yet as captain harville seemed thoughtful and not disposed to talk she could not avoid hearing many undesirable particulars such as how mr musgrove and my brother hayter had met again and again to talk it over what my brother hayter had said one day and what mr musgrove had proposed the next and what had occurred to my sister hayter and what the young people had wished and what i said at first i could never consent to but was afterwards persuaded to think might do very well and a great deal in the same style of open-hearted communication minute which even with every advantage of taste and delicacy which good mrs musgrove could not give could be properly interesting only to the principals mrs croft was attending with great good humour and whenever she spoke at all it was very sensibly anne hoped the gentlemen might each be too much self-occupied to hear and so ma'am all these things considered said mrs musgrove in her powerful whisper though we could have wished it different yet altogether we did not think it fair to stand out any longer for charles hayter was quite wild about it and henrietta was pretty near as bad and so we thought they had better marry at once and make the best of it 
as many others have done before them at any rate said i it will be better than a long engagement that is precisely what i was going to observe cried mrs croft i would rather have young people settle on a small income at once and have to struggle with a few difficulties together than to be involved in a long engagement i always think that no mutual oh dear mrs croft cried mrs musgrove unable to let her finish her speech there is nothing i so abominate for young people as a long engagement it is what i always protested against for my children it is all very well i used to say for young people to be engaged if there is a certainty of their being able to marry in six months or even in twelve but a long engagement yes dear ma'am said mrs croft or an uncertain engagement an engagement which may be long to begin without knowing that at such a time there would be the means of marrying i hold to be very unsafe and unwise and what i think all parents should prevent as far as they can Anne found an unexpected interest here she felt its application to herself felt it in a nervous thrill all over her and at the same moment that her eyes instinctively glanced towards the distant table captain wentworth's pen ceased to move his head was raised pausing listening and he turned round the next instant to give a look one quick conscious look at her the two ladies continued to talk to re-urge the same admitted truth and enforced them with such examples of the ill effect of a contrary practice that had fallen within their observation but anne heard nothing distinctly it was only a buzz of words in her ear her mind was in confusion captain harville who had in truth been hearing none of it now left his seat and moved to a window and anne seeming to watch him though it was from thorough absence of mind became gradually sensible that he was inviting her to join him where he stood he looked at her with a smile and a little motion of the head which expressed come to me i have something to say and the unaffected easy kindness of the manner which denoted the feelings of an older acquaintance than he really was strongly enforced the invitation she roused herself and went to him the window at which he stood was at the other end of the room from where the two ladies were sitting and though nearer to captain wentworth's table not very near as she joined him captain harville's countenance reassumed the serious thoughtful expression which seemed its natural character look here said he enfolding a parcel in his hand and displaying a small miniature painting do you know who that is certainly captain benwick yes and you may guess who it is for but in a deep tone it was not done for her miss elliot do you remember our walking together at lyme and grieving for him i little thought then but no matter this was drawn at the cape he met with a clever young german artist at the cape and in compliance with the promise to my poor sister sat to him and was bringing it home for her and i have now the charge of getting it properly set for another it was a commission to me but who else was there to employ i hope i can allow for him i am not sorry indeed to make it over to another he undertakes it looking towards captain wentworth he is writing about it now and with a quivering lip he wound up the whole by adding poor fanny she would not have forgotten him so soon no replied anne in a low feeling voice that i can easily believe it was not in her nature she doted on him it would not be the nature of any woman who truly loved captain harville smiled as much as to say do you claim that for your sex and she answered the question smiling also yes we certainly do not forget you as soon as you forget us it is perhaps our fate rather than our merit we cannot help ourselves we live at home quiet confined and our feelings prey upon us you are forced on exertion 
you have always a profession pursuits business of some sort or other to take you back into the world immediately and continual occupation and change soon weaken impressions granting your assertion that the world does all this so soon for men which however i do not think i shall grant it does not apply to benwick he has not been forced upon any exertion the peace turned him on shore at the very moment and he has been living with us in our little family circle ever since true said anne very true i did not recollect but what shall we say now captain harville if change be not from outward circumstances it must be from within it must be nature man's nature which has done the business for captain benwick no no it is not man's nature i will not allow it to be more man's nature than woman's to be inconstant and forget those they do love or have loved i believe the reverse i believe in a true analogy between our bodily frames and our mental and that as our bodies are the strongest so are our feelings capable of bearing most rough usage and riding out the heaviest weather your feelings may be the strongest replied anne but the same spirit of analogy will authorize me to assert that ours are the most tender man is more robust than woman but he is not longer lived which exactly explains my view of the nature of their attachments nay it would be too hard upon you if it were otherwise you have difficulties and privations and dangers enough to struggle with you are always laboring and toiling exposed to every risk and hardship your home country friends all quitted neither time nor health nor life to be called your own it would be hard indeed with a faltering voice if women's feelings were to be added to all this we shall never agree upon this question captain harville was beginning to say when a slight noise called their attention to captain wentworth's hitherto perfectly quiet division of the room it was nothing more than that his pen had fallen down but anne was startled at finding him nearer than she had supposed and half inclined to suspect that the pen had only fallen because he had been occupied by them striving to catch sounds which yet she did not think he could have caught have you finished your letter said captain harville not quite a few lines more i shall have done in five minutes there is no hurry on my side i am only ready whenever you are i am in very good anchorage here smiling at anne well supplied and want for nothing no hurry for a signal at all well miss elliot lowering his voice as i was saying we shall never agree i suppose upon this point no man and woman would probably but let me observe that all histories are against you all stories prose and verse if i had such a memory as benwick i could bring you fifty quotations in a moment on my side the argument and i do not think i ever opened a book in my life which had not something to say upon woman's inconstancy songs and proverbs all talk of woman's fickleness but perhaps you will say these were all written by men perhaps i shall yes yes if you please no reference to examples in books men have had every advantage of us in telling their own story education has been theirs in so much higher a degree the pen has been in their hands i will not allow books to prove anything but how shall we prove anything we never shall we never can expect to prove anything upon such a point it is a difference of opinion which does not admit of proof we each begin probably with a little bias towards our own sex and upon that bias builds every circumstance in favour of which has occurred within our own circle 
many of which circumstances perhaps those very cases which strike us the most may be precisely such as cannot be brought forward without betraying a confidence or in some respects saying what should not be said ah cried captain harville in a tone of strong feeling if i could but make you comprehend what a man suffers when he takes a last look at his wife and children and watches the boat that he has sent them off in as long as it is in sight and then turns away and says god knows whether we ever meet again and then if i could convey to you the glow of his soul when he does see them again when coming back after a twelve months absence perhaps and obliged to put into another port he calculates how soon it be possible to get them there pretending to deceive himself and saying they cannot be here till such a day but all the while hoping for them twelve hours sooner and seeing them arrive at last as if heaven had given them wings by many hours sooner still if i could explain to you all this and all that a man can bear to do and glories to do for the sake of these treasures of his existence i speak you know only of such men as have hearts pressing his own with emotion oh cried anne eagerly i hope i do justice to all that is felt by you and by those who resemble you god forbid that i should undervalue the warm and faithful feelings of any of my fellow-creatures i should deserve utter contempt if i dared to suppose that true attachment and constancy were known only by women no i believe you capable of everything great and good in your married lives i believe you equal to every important exertion and to every domestic forbearance so long as if i may be allowed the expression so long as you have an object i mean while the woman you love lives and lives for you all the privilege i claim for my own sex it is not a very enviable one you need not covet it is that of loving longest when existence or when hope is gone she could not immediately have uttered another sentence her heart was too full her breath too much oppressed you are a good soul cried captain harville putting his hand on her arm quite affectionately there is no quarrelling with you and when i think of benwick my tongue is tied their attention was called towards the others mrs croft was taking leave here frederick you and i part company i believe said she i am going home and you have an engagement with your friend to-night we may have the pleasure of all meeting again at your party turning to anne we had your sister's card yesterday and i understood frederick had a card too though i did not see it and you are disengaged frederick are you not as well as ourselves captain wentworth was folding up a letter in great haste and either could not or would not answer fully yes said he very true here we separate but harville and i shall soon be after you that is harville if you are ready i am in half a minute i know you will not be sorry to be off i shall be at your service in half a minute mrs croft left them and captain wentworth having sealed his letter with great rapidity was indeed ready and had even a hurried agitated air which showed impatience to be gone anne knew not how to understand it she had the kindest good morning god bless you from captain harville but from him not a word nor a look he had passed out of the room without a look she had only time however to move closer to the table where he had been writing when footsteps were heard returning the door opened it was himself he begged their pardon but he had forgotten his gloves and instantly crossing the room to the writing-table he drew out a letter from under the scattered paper placed it before anne with eyes of glowing entreaty fixed on her for a time and hastily collecting his gloves was again out of the room 
almost before mrs musgrove was aware of his being in it the work of an instant the revolution which one instant had made in anne was almost beyond expression the letter with a direction hardly legible to miss a e was evidently the one which he had been folding so hastily while supposed to be writing only to captain benwick he had been also addressing her on the contents of that letter depended all which this world could do for her anything was possible anything might be defied rather than suspense mrs musgrove had little arrangements of her own at her own table to their protection she must trust and sinking into the chair which he had occupied succeeding to the very spot where he had leaned and written her eyes devoured the following words i can listen no longer in silence i must speak to you by such means as are within my reach you pierce my soul i am half agony half hope tell me not that i am too late that such precious feelings are gone for ever i offer myself to you again with a heart even more than your own than when you almost broke it eight years and a half ago dare not say that man forgets sooner than woman that his love has an earlier death i have loved none but you unjust i may have been weak and resentful i have been but never inconstant you alone have brought me to bath for you alone i think and plan have you not seen this can you fail to have understood my wishes i had not waited even these ten days could i have read your feelings as i think you must have penetrated mine i can hardly write i am every instant hearing something which overpowers me you sink your voice but i can distinguish the tones of that voice when they would be lost on others too good too excellent creature you do us justice indeed you do believe that there is true attachment and constancy among men believe it to be most fervent most undeviating in f w i must go uncertain of my fate but i shall return hither or follow your party as soon as possible a word a look will be enough to decide whether i enter your father's house this evening or never such a letter was not to be soon recovered from half an hour's solitude and reflection might have tranquillized her but the ten minutes only which now passed before she was interrupted with all the restraints of her situation could do nothing towards tranquillity every moment rather brought fresh agitation it was overpowering happiness and before she was beyond the first stage of full sensation charles mary and henrietta all came in the absolute necessity of seeming like herself produced then an immediate struggle but after a while she could do no more she began not to understand a word they said and was obliged to plead indisposition and excuse herself they could then see that she looked very ill were shocked and concerned and would not stir without her for the world this was dreadful would they only have gone away and left her in the quiet possession of that room it would have been her cure but to have them all standing or waiting around her was distracting and in desperation she said she would go home by all means my dear cried mrs musgrove go home directly and take care of yourself that you may be fit for the evening i wish sarah was here to doctor you but i am no doctor myself charles ring and order a chair she must not walk but the chair would never do worse than all to lose the possibility of speaking two words to captain wentworth in the course of her quiet solitary progress up the town and she felt almost certain of meeting him could not be borne the chair was earnestly protested against and mrs musgrove who thought only of one sort of illness having assured herself with some anxiety that there had been no fall in the case that anne had not any time lately slipped down and got a blow on her head 
that she was perfectly convinced of having had no fall could part with her cheerfully and depend on finding her better at night anxious to omit no possible precaution anne struggled and said i am afraid ma'am that it is not perfectly understood pray be so good as to mention to the other gentlemen that we hope to see your whole party this evening i am afraid there had been some mistake and i wish you particularly to assure captain harville and captain wentworth that we hope to see them both oh my dear it is quite understood i give you my word captain harville has no thought but of going do you think so but i am afraid i should be so very sorry will you promise me to mention it when you see them both again you will see them both this morning i dare say do promise me to be sure i will if you wish it charles if you see captain harville anywhere remember to give miss anne's message but indeed my dear you need not be uneasy captain harville holds himself quite engaged i'll answer for it and captain wentworth the same i dare say anne could do no more but her heart prophesies some mischance to damp the perfection of her felicity it could not be very lasting however even if he did not come to camden place himself it would be in her power to send an intelligible sentence by captain harville another momentary vexation occurred charles in his real concern and good nature would go home with her there was no preventing him this was almost cruel but she could not be long ungrateful he was sacrificing an engagement at an gunsmith's to be of use to her and she set off with him with no feeling but gratitude apparent they were on union street when a quicker step behind a something of familiar sound gave her two moments preparation for the sight of captain wentworth he joined them but as if irresolute whether to join or to pass on said nothing only looked anne could command herself enough to receive that look and not repulsively the cheeks which had been pale now glowed and the movements which had hesitated were decided he walked by her side presently struck by a sudden thought charles said captain wentworth which way are you going only to gay street or farther up the town i hardly know replied captain wentworth surprised are you going as high as belmont are you going near camden place because if you are i shall have no scruple in asking you to take my place and give anne your arm to her father's door she is rather done for this morning and must not go so far without help and i ought to be at that fellow's in the market-place he promised me the sight of a capital gun he is just going to send off said he would keep it unpacked to the last possible moment that i might see it and if i do not turn back now i have no chance by his description a good deal like the second-sized double-barrel of mine which you shot with one day round winthrop there could not be an objection there could only be the most proper alacrity a most obliging compliance for public view and smiles reigned in and spirits dancing in private rapture in half a minute charles was at the bottom of union street again and the other two proceeding together and soon words enough had passed between them to decide their direction towards the comparatively quiet and retired gravel walk where the power of conversation would make the present hour a blessing indeed and prepare it for all the immortality which the happiest recollections of their own future lives could bestow there they exchanged again those feelings and those promises which had once before seemed to secure everything but which had been followed by so many many years of division and estrangement there they returned again into the past more exquisitely happy perhaps in their reunion than when it had been first projected more tender more tried more fixed in a knowledge of each other's character truth and attachment more equal to act more justified in acting and there as they slowly paced the gradual ascent 
heedless of every group around them seeing neither sauntering politicians bustering housekeepers flirting girls nor nursery maids and children they could indulge in those retrospections and acknowledgments and especially in those explanations of what had directly preceded the present moment which were so poignant and so ceaseless in interest all the little variations of the last week were gone through and of yesterday and to-day there could scarcely be an end she had not mistaken him jealousy of mr elliot had been the retarding weight the doubt the torment that had begun to operate in the very hour of first meeting her in bath that had returned after a short suspension to ruin the concert and that had influenced him in everything he had said and done or omitted to say and do in the last four-and-twenty hours it had been gradually yielding to the better hopes which her looks or words or actions occasionally encouraged it had been vanquished at last by those sentiments and those tones which had reached him while she talked with captain harville and under their irresistible governance of which he had seized a sheet of paper and poured out his feelings of what he had then written nothing was to be retracted or qualified he persisted in having loved none but her she had never been supplanted he never even believed himself to see her equal thus much indeed he was obliged to acknowledge that he had been constant unconsciously nay unintentionally that he had meant to forget her and believed it to be done he had imagined himself indifferent when he had only been angry and he had been unjust to her merits because he had been a sufferer from them her character was now fixed on his mind as perfection itself maintaining the loveliest medium of fortitude and gentleness but he was obliged to acknowledge that only at uppercross had he learnt to do her justice and only at lyme had he begun to understand himself at lyme he had received lessons of more than one sort the passing admiration of mr elliot had at least roused him and the scenes on the cob and at captain harville's had fixed her superiority in his preceding attempts to attach himself to louisa musgrove the attempts of angry pride he protested that he had for ever felt it to be impossible that he had not cared could not care for louisa though till that day till the leisure for reflection which followed it he had not understood the perfect excellence of the mind which louisa's could so ill bear a comparison or the perfect unrivalled hold it possessed over his own there he had learned to distinguish between the steadiness of principle and the obstinacy of self-will between the darings of heedlessness and the resolution of a collected mind there he had seen everything to exalt in his estimation the woman he had lost and there begun to deplore the pride the folly the madness of resentment which had kept him from trying to regain her when thrown in his way from that period his penance had become severe he had no sooner been free from the horror and remorse attending the first few days of louisa's accident no sooner begun to feel himself alive again than he had begun to feel himself though alive not at liberty i found said he that i was considered by harville an engaged man that neither harville nor his wife entertained a doubt of our mutual attachment i was startled and shocked to a degree i could contradict this instantly but when i began to reflect that others might have felt the same her own family nay perhaps herself i was no longer at my own disposal i was hers in honour if she wished it i had been unguarded i had not thought seriously on this subject before i had not considered that my excessive intimacy must have its danger of ill consequence in many ways and that i had no right to be trying whether i could attach myself to either of the girls at the risk of raising even an unpleasant report 
were there no other ill effects i had been grossly wrong and must abide the consequences he found too late in short that he had entangled himself and that precisely as he became fully satisfied of his not caring for louisa at all he must regard himself as bound to her if her sentiments for him were what the harville supposed it determined him to leave lyme and await her complete recovery elsewhere he would gladly weaken by any fair means whatever feelings or speculations concerning him might exist and he went therefore to his brothers meaning after a while to return to kellynch and act as circumstances might require i was six weeks with edward said he and saw him happy i could have no other pleasure i deserved none he acquired after you very particularly asked even if you were personally altered little suspecting that to my eye you could never alter anne smiled and let it pass it was too pleasing a blunder for a reproach it is something for a woman to be assured in her eight-and-twentieth year that she has not lost one charm of earlier youth but the value of such homage was inexpressibly increased to anne by comparing it with former words and feeling it to be the result not the cause of a revival of his warm attachment he had remained in shropshire lamenting the blindness of his own pride and the blunders of his own calculations till at once released from louisa by the astonishing and felicitous intelligence of her engagement with benwick here said he ended the worst of my state for now i could at least put myself in the way of happiness i could exert myself i could do something but to be waiting so long in inaction and waiting only for evil had been dreadful within the first five minutes i said i will be at bath on wednesday and i was was it unpardonable to think it worth my while to come and to arrive with some degree of hope you were single it was possible that you might retain the feelings of the past as i did and one encouragement happened to be mine i could never doubt that you would be loved and sought by others but i knew to a certainty that you had refused one man at least of better pretensions than myself and i could not help often saying was this for me their first meeting in milsom street afforded much to be said but the concert still more that evening seemed to be made up of exquisite moments the moment of her stepping forward in the octagon room to speak to him the moment of mr elliot's appearing and tearing her away and one or two subsequent moments marked by returning hope or increasing despondency were dwelt on with energy to see you cried he in the midst of those who could not be my well-wishers to see your cousin close by you conversing and smiling and feel all the horrible eligibilities and proprieties of the match to consider it as the certain wish of every being who could hope to influence you even if your own feelings were reluctant or indifferent to consider what powerful supports would be his was it not enough to make the fool of me which i appeared how could i look on without agony was not the very sight of the friend who sat behind you was not the recollection of what had been the knowledge of her influence the indelible immovable impression of what persuasion had once done was it not all against me you should have distinguished replied anne you should not have suspected me now the case is so different and my age is so different if i was wrong in yielding to persuasion once remember that it was to persuasion exerted on the side of safety not of risk when i yielded i thought it was to duty but no duty could be called in aid here in marrying a man indifferent to me all risk would have been incurred and all duty violated 
perhaps i ought to have reasoned thus he replied but i could not i could not derive benefit from the late knowledge i had acquired of your character i could not bring it into play it was overwhelmed buried lost in those earlier feelings which i had been smarting under year after year i could think of you only as one who had yielded who had given me up who had been influenced by any one rather than by me i saw you with the very person who had guided you in that year of misery i had no reason to believe her of less authority now the force of habit was to be added i should have thought said anne that my manner to yourself might have spared you much or all of this no no your manner might be only the ease which your engagement to another man would give i left you in this belief and yet i was determined to see you again my spirits rallied with the morning and i felt that i had still a motive for remaining here at last anne was at home again and happier than any one in that house could have conceived all the surprise and suspense and every other painful part of the morning dissipated by this conversation she re-entered the house so happy as to be obliged to find an alloy in some momentary apprehensions of its being impossible to last an interval of mediation serious and grateful was the best corrective of everything dangerous and such high-wrought felicity and she went to her room and grew steadfast and fearless in the thankfulness of her enjoyment the evening came the drawing-rooms were lighted up the company assembled it was but a card-party it was but a mixture of those who had never met before and those who met too often a commonplace business too numerous for intimacy too small for variety but anne had never found an evening shorter glowing and lovely in sensibility and happiness and more generally admired than she thought about or cared for she had cheerful or forbearing feelings for every creature around her mr elliot was there she avoided but she could pity him the wallaces she had amusement in understanding them lady dalrymple and miss carteret they would soon be innoxious cousins to her she cared not for mrs clay and had nothing to blush for in the public manners of her father and sister with the musgroves there was the happy chat of perfect ease with captain harville the kind-hearted intercourse of brother and sister with lady russell attempts at conversation which a delicious consciousness cut short with admiral and mrs croft everything of peculiar cordiality and fervent interest which the same consciousness sought to conceal and with captain wentworth some moments of communications continually occurring and always the hope of more and always the knowledge of his being there it was in one of these short meetings each apparently occupied in admiring a fine display of greenhouse plants that she said i have been thinking over the past and trying impartially to judge of the right and wrong i mean with regard to myself and i must believe that i was right much as i suffered from it that i was perfectly right in being guided by the friend whom you will love better than you do now to me she was in the place of a parent do not mistake me however i am not saying that she did not err in her advice it was perhaps one of those cases in which advice is good or bad only as the event decides and for myself i certainly never should in any circumstance of tolerable similarity give such advice but i mean that i was right in submitting to her and that if i had done otherwise i should have suffered more in continuing the engagement than i did even in giving it up because i should have suffered in my conscience i have now as far as such a sentiment is allowable in human nature nothing to reproach myself with and if i mistake not a strong sense of duty is no bad part of a woman's portion 
he looked at her looked at lady russell and looking again at her replied as if in cool deliberation not yet but there are hopes of her being forgiven in time i trust to being in charity with her soon but i have been thinking over the past and a question has suggested itself whether there may not have been one person more my enemy than that lady my own self tell me if when i returned to england in the year eight with a few thousand pounds and was posted into the lacronia if i had then written to you would you have answered my letter would you in short have renewed the engagement then would i was all her answer but the accent was decisive enough good god he cried you would it is not that i did not think of it or desire it as what could alone crown all my other success but i was proud too proud to ask again i did not understand you i shut my eyes and would not understand you or do you justice this is a recollection which ought to make me forgive every one sooner than myself six years of separation and suffering might have been spared it is a sort of pain too which is new to me i have been used to the gratification of believing myself to earn every blessing that i enjoyed i have valued myself on honourable toils and just rewards like other great men under reverses he added with a smile i must endeavour to subdue my mind to my fortune i must learn to brook being happier than i deserve End of chapter twenty three chapter twenty four of persuasion by jane austen who can be in doubt of what followed when any two young people take it into their heads to marry they are pretty sure by perseverance to carry their point be they ever so poor or ever so imprudent or ever so little likely to be necessary to each other's ultimate comfort this may be bad morality to conclude with but i believe it to be truth and if such parties succeed how should a captain wentworth and an anne elliot with the advantage of maturity of mind consciousness of right and one independent fortune between them fail of bearing down every opposition they might in fact have borne down a great deal more than they met with for there was little to distress them beyond the want of graciousness and warmth sir walter made no objection and elizabeth did nothing worse than look cold and unconcerned captain wentworth with five-and-twenty thousand pounds and as high in his profession as merit and activity could place him was no longer nobody he was now esteemed quite worthy to address the daughter of a foolish spendthrift baronet who had not had principle or sense enough to maintain himself in the situation in which providence had placed him and who could give his daughter at present but a small part of the share of ten thousand pounds which must be hers hereafter sir walter indeed though he had no affection for anne and no vanity flattered to make him really happy on the occasion was very far from thinking it a bad match for her on the contrary when he saw more of captain wentworth saw him repeatedly by daylight and eyed him well he was very much struck by his personal claims and felt that his superiority of appearance might be not unfairly balanced against her superiority of rank and all this assisted by his well-sounding name enabled sir walter at last to prepare his pen with a very good grace for the insertion of the marriage in the volume of honour the only one among them whose opposition of feeling could excite any serious anxiety was lady russell anne knew that lady russell must be suffering some pain in understanding and relinquishing mr elliot and be making some struggles to become truly acquainted with and do justice to captain wentworth 
this however was what lady russell had now to do she must learn to feel that she had been mistaken with regard to both that she had been unfairly influenced by appearances in each that because captain wentworth's manners had not suited her own ideas she had been too quick in suspecting them to indicate a character of dangerous impetuosity and that because mr elliot's manners had precisely pleased her in their propriety and correctness their general politeness and suavity she had been too quick in receiving them as the certain result of the most correct opinions and a well-regulated mind there was nothing less for lady russell to do than to admit that she had been pretty completely wrong and to take up a new set of opinions and of hopes there is a quickness of perception in some a nicety in the discernment of character a natural penetration in short which no experience in others can equal and lady russell had been less gifted in this part of understanding than her young friend but she was a very good woman and if her second object was to be sensible and well-judging her first was to see anne happy she loved anne better than she loved her own abilities and when the awkwardness of the beginning was over found little hardship in attaching herself as a mother to the man who was securing the happiness of her other child of all the family mary was probably the one most immediately gratified by the circumstance it was creditable to have a sister married and she might flatter herself with having been greatly instrumental to the connection by keeping anne with her in the autumn and as her own sister must be better than her husband's sisters it was very agreeable that captain wentworth should be a richer man than either captain benwick or charles hayter she had something to suffer perhaps when they came into contact again in seeing anne restored to the rights of seniority and the mistress of a very pretty laudette but she had a future to look forward to of powerful consolation and had no upper cross hall before her no landed estate no headship of a family and if they could but keep captain wentworth from being made a baronet she would not change situations with anne it would be well for the eldest sister if she were equally satisfied with her situation for a change is not very probable there she had soon the mortification of seeing mr elliot withdraw and no one of proper condition has since presented himself to raise even the unfounded hopes which sunk with him the news of his cousin anne's engagement burst on mr elliot most unexpectedly it arranged his best plan of domestic happiness his best hope of keeping sir walter single by the watchfulness which a son-in-law's rights would have been given but though discomforted and disappointed he could still do something for his own interest in his own enjoyment he soon quitted bath and on mrs clay's quitting it soon afterwards and being next heard of as established under his protection in london it was evident how double a game he had been playing and how determined he was to save himself from being cut out by one artful woman at least mrs clay's affections had overpowered her interest and she had sacrificed for the young man's sake the possibility of scheming longer for sir walter she has abilities however as well as affections and it is now a doubtful point whether his cunning or hers may finally carry the day whether after preventing her from being the wife of sir walter he may not be wheeled and caressed at last into making her the wife of sir william it cannot be doubted that sir walter and elizabeth were shocked and mortified by the loss of their companion and the discovery of their deception in her they had their great cousins to be sure to resort to for comfort but they must long feel that to flatter and follow others without being flattered and followed in turn is but a state of half enjoyment 
and satisfied at a very early period of lady russell's meaning to love captain wentworth as she ought had no other alloy to the happiness of her prospects than what arose from the consciousness of having no relations to bestow on him which a man of sense could value there she felt her own inferiority very keenly the disproportion in their fortune was nothing it did not give her a moment's regret but to have no family to receive and estimate him properly nothing of respectability of harmony of goodwill to offer in return for all the worth and all the prompt welcome which met her in his brothers and sisters was a source of as lively pain as her mind could well be sensible of under circumstances of otherwise strong felicity she had but two friends in the world to add to his list lady russell and mrs smith to those however he was very well disposed to attach himself lady russell in spite of all her former transgressions he could now value from his heart while he was not obliged to say that he believed her to have been right in originally dividing them he was ready to say almost everything else in her favour and as for mrs smith she had claims of various kinds to recommend her quickly and permanently her recent good offices by anne had been enough in themselves and their marriage instead of depriving her of one friend secured her too she was their earliest visitor in their settled life and captain wentworth by putting her in the way of recovering her husband's property in the west indies by writing for her acting for her and seeing her through all the petty difficulties of the case with the activity and exertion of a fearless man and a determined friend fully requited the services which she had rendered or ever meant to render to his wife mrs smith's enjoyments were not spoiled by this improvement of income with some improvement of health and the acquisition of such friends to be often with for her cheerfulness and mental alacrity did not fail her and while these prime supplies of good remained she might have bid defiance even to greater accessions of worldly prosperity she might have been absolutely rich and perfectly healthy and yet be happy her spring of felicity was in the glow of her spirits as her friend anne's was in the warmth of her heart anne was tenderness itself and she had the full worth of it in captain wentworth's affection his profession was all that could ever make her friends wish that tenderness less the dread of a future war all that could dim her sunshine she gloried in being a sailor's wife but she must pay the tax of quick alarm for belonging to that profession which is if possible more distinguished in its domestic virtues than in its national importance end of chapter twenty four end of persuasion by jane austen